Episode. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, it's been quite some time since we did our, we, like what, how long has it been since we did our last episode? <laughs> it feels like a couple of weeks, at least three weeks since we did an episode. Yeah, it's been hectic. I just got a job and it's been putting in some real corporate hours. Yeah, it's been kind of upside down here. <laughs> yeah, I was low in order in the household. <laughs> I'm gone. We have a great guest tonight. I was wondering uh, if you could share with the or with our people about our new guest. Yeah, so have you, I know we're both on social media. Have you ever met anyone via social media that you just clicked with? Yeah, yes. Brothers. <laughs> yeah, even though you never met them in person, you just felt like your stories are the same, you have a lot in common. And you have you both have the same um, mission aligned. Yes. So that's our next our next guest. So let's welcome Michelle Carroll to the show. She's a mom of two. She has ten years plus experience of being a medical analyst. Currently, she's focused on health and wellness through plants, herbs, and nutrition. She's a social justice advocate and a special needs mom warrior. Yes. Yes. Welcome, <laughs> Michelle. Welcome. Wow, we're already connecting. Hello, thank you. <laughs> it's like we already connect. It's like everything connects. <laughs> exactly, we're aligned already. <laughs> That's awesome. Welcome to the show, and again, thank you. And we're, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing your 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 story, your journey. And what you're planning to do with this this opportunity that you've been that's been put before you now? Yeah, so you could just start, and I give a I'll give a little background. She's going to talk about her son, her youngest okay. son. Oh, please. So can you just start by telling us, just telling his journey? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So Jaden is five years old. He was born healthy. Throughout my pregnancy, everything was perfect. We had no issues, no complications or anything like that. When I was pregnant, I, you know, declined the DTaP vaccine. I also declined the flu shot vaccine. Dave and I, Jaden's father, we were doing our research about vaccines and I didn't want to vaccinate him and Dave was more so 90% that he didn't want to. When we were in the hospital, after we had Jaden, we had declined the happy vaccine. Mm -hmm. They did, they gave him the iDupe without us knowing and also the vitamin K. Immediately, he was drawn to us and so we had to do phototherapy. We actually had to do phototherapy at home. We got him home and everything was fine. My plan was to breastfeed him and when they had discharged us, my milk supply hadn't really come in yet, which wasn't any too concern. He was born seven pounds, six ounces, so he was born pretty size. normal size. They wanted us to follow up with our pediatrician at the end of that week after we were discharged just to check his weight and, and stuff like that because my milk hadn't come in yet, and they just wanted to check him. We got out of the hospital without any vaccines, except they did do the heavy without us knowing. Oh, wait, they did the hep B? I'm sorry, we we declined the hep B. We declined the hep B. They actually, they forced the hep B on us when we went to the pediatrician's office. So Mm. we did get out of the hospital without giving the hep B, but they gave the vitamin K injection. Um, So we went to the pediatrician's office. Two days later, um, they checked his weight, and the doctor pretty much forced us into getting the heavy vaccine. 
We told her we were causing more harm to our child if we didn't get it. Um, and it just, it, it, it was the pressure, the pressure. And it was, we had chose this pediatrician actually because somebody that I went to school with told us that they were more relaxed and that he could space them out and that it wasn't going to be any kind of pressure at all. And so when we were in there that day, they wanted to write blood work to check his bilirubin levels. And they pretty much pressured us into getting the head B. So what had happened was we had gotten his blood work done and the doctor got the lab results back right away. And his bilirubin levels were like way high. They were 18. And when they discharged us, they were nine. When he was born, they were seven. So his levels had elevated after the head B vaccine from that day in the doctor's office from the time that we had taken him to get blood work. So they had ordered phototherapy at home. We did the phototherapy at home. And that was hard, too, because they give you this, they call it a blanket, a wallaby blanket, but it's really just a piece of plastic that wraps around their body. And they, they're like, he has to stay in this. The only time he can not be wrapped up in it is when you're nursing. And so we felt like we didn't have a lot of skin-to-skin contact immediately because they created so much fear of him not being doing the phototherapy for the first four days when we had him home. So then we had to go, we had to go back again at week three to check his weight because they were telling us that if he wasn't at his, if he wasn't back up to his birth weight, because he had lost not even two ounces from the day he was born to discharge, they said that they wanted to supplement with formula. So when we had gone back to the pediatrician, he was back up at his birth weight. So it was great. We didn't have to supplement or anything like that. And then everything was great. He was, he was sleeping and feeding great. No concerns at all. And we went to our two-month well visit, and the same thing. They told us that we had to get the shots. If we didn't get the shots, then we couldn't be patients there anymore, and that we weren't going to be able to find another pediatrician that would see him because all the pediatricians were not, like, accepting patients unless they were vaccinated. And so they just they created a lot of fear again. And something was telling me, like, it was... Definitely the Holy Spirit telling me that day not to go through with the vaccines because I just felt in my body that something was going to go wrong that day. And we caved. We caved. We didn't protect him. We had family in our ear telling us that the same thing. If we didn't vaccinate him, we were causing more harm than good. And so we had gotten him home. And actually, as we were leaving the doctor's office, Dave had said to me, the injection that he had gotten in his left thigh was the DTAP vaccine. Yeah. And David, yeah, and she basically administered the DTAP vaccine in his thigh like she was giving somebody an EpiPen. Like she pulled her arm back and it was basically wow. like she, well, she it was ja- pretty hard. I'm sorry, she jabbed him? That's what he, it is. Yeah, that, she jabbed a, him pretty hard. She uh, jabbed him pretty hard. And yikes. as we were walking out of the doctor's office, Dave was like, was that normal, the one that she gave him in his leg? And I was like, no, it wasn't because my daughter from my previous, he did, this is his first time going through all this, so he's never seen vaccines given, and I have, and I'm like, it's not normal, which she didn't decide. She, she gave him like she was like going after his leg. And so we had gotten him home, and he had a little bit of a fever. They told us that if he had a little bit of fever to give him Motrin and alternate Motrin and Tylenol, which is huge no-no. Yes, definitely definitely <laughs> Tylenol. the Tylenol. Tylenol depletes uh, glutathione, which is your, to help function your liver function properly, and Tylenol is one of the things that should never, ever be given before or, you know, after vaccines. And I'm not a doctor, but I've 
done my research. Like I said, I was a medical analyst for, you know, over 10 years. And I've done my fair share of research to know that Tylenol is ex- extremely dangerous for your liver, especially around the time you have vaccines. He had a little bit of a fever. He had this, like, piercing scream, which they call the detox scream, which basically is like encephalitis, brain falling. Yes. He had this scream, and he was, his leg, his left leg, within a few days, his left leg kept jerking, like doing these little jerk spasms, but it was just, it wasn't anything that we would think would be like seizure related. And then he developed respiratory infections. Now, Jaden was born in the summer. (laughs) He was born in May. Newborn babies don't get sick and they don't get back-to-back respiratory infections unless there's, you know, something going on. So we had taken him to the pediatrician for the respiratory infection, and they said, oh, it's just a little cold or whatever. And we were at the doctor's between two months and four months of visit. We were at the doctor's a few times because we were concerned. He sounded raspy, but they they said he was fine. He didn't need any antibiotics or anything like that. Everything was good. Just a little cold, they told us. When we had asked the nurse about the jerking in his legs, if we were concerned, we actually thought that when it was administered, we thought that they may have hit a nerve, which is possible, yes. which was causing the leg jerking. We never in a million years ever thought that it would be seizures. That did not cross our mind at all. And the nurse told us that it was nothing to be concerned about. It was just normal baby goo gaga motion, mm. stuff like that. We, we didn't think anything of it. So then it was... It was like the following month. So this was August 2016. He had his tumor shots. And then September, we were back and forth in the doctors. And then it was like a week shy of his four-month wellness visit. And we had taken him in again because he still wasn't getting better. And this has this been going on for a week. And, and this is before I like was reading inserts and before I knew that like respiratory issues are listed as adverse reactions. I didn't know any of that, you know. And of course, they won't tell you. But so it was like a week before he was due for his four-month well visit. And, like, we got in there and they kept telling us, like, he's okay, he's okay. But while you're here, let's just give him his four-month vaccines. And we're like, hold on, he's sick, he's not feeling well, we're not yes. going through with this. And they're like, he doesn't have a fever, so he, he's okay to get them. And I'm like, I'm feeling unsure about this. Like, we're not going to go through with it. So we had actually left that pediatrician because we felt pressured. And we went to where we were taking my daughter. And when we had gotten there, we had faced the fact that they were telling us that we could not be patients there, we weren't going to find a pediatrician to see our son, then they could get Child Protective Services involved if we weren't going to routine visits and if we didn't follow the CDC schedule. So, you know, like they were creating fear in our minds, again, if we didn't get his four-month vaccine. It was like, we were like, nope, he's still not feeling well. And they're like, come back next week, we'll come back and, and we'll check on him. And at this point, this was like we were into October. So we go back the following week, he's still not feeling well, he didn't have a fever. And, and they told us, they're like, well, you already started with the vaccines, he needs to continue with them. And of course, we didn't know. We were uneducated, we didn't know. We were still actually, you know, just learning about vaccines and we hadn't connected with anybody or any groups online or anything like that to know that this this is a real issue and that this is happening more than we actually thought it was. So again, four months, we, we caved and we got home and the he basically had the same reactions that he had from two-month vaccines, except that it was 
like a hundred times worse. Instead of his left leg going shaking, it was both legs going up and down simultaneously. It was like the beginning of these tonic colonic seizures. We had monitored him like over the next few days and then a weekend it was the first week, so that was the end of October and then it was election day, 2016. It was November 7th, I think it was. We woke up at 7 a.m. and Jaden was in a full atomic colonic seizure. So that's when our nightmare truly began. We had rushed him to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and they we didn't call 911. We we drove him down there. He was okay at that point. We're about 30 minutes from the hospital, and we I David dropped me off. I ran in with him in my arms. He was seizing in my arms. Dave was going to park the car, and they immediately took me back and they laid him down. He was just convulsing. There was like I don't know a ton of doctors and nurses surrounded him. I just remember going out in the hallway like screaming for Dave because. Like, he just laid there, like, lifeless. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yes, we know. You know. It just, it was something that I'll never, ever forget. I, I'll just never forget the day that we had taken him to CHOP. That's when everything just went downhill. They said that he was having seizures. They admitted him. At that point, he was having between 10 and 13 a day. They admitted him for three days. The second night, I think it was the second night that we were there, they started him on trileptal. And at this point, Jaden was five and a half months old because they were denying oh that they God. were seizures. They were Hold denying on. that I'm he was sorry. sick. And I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Five and a half months. So you're telling me you've been go- you and your husband are going through this every month for five and a half months the he's barely been home yes yes so it started the two month vaccines and then like i said from two to four months he was back to back sick with respiratory infections we were in and out of the doctors and it's not funny but like the crazy thing is like i was asking them like is he having a reaction to the vaccine and they would document in his records Mom seems to think that seizures oh. and reactions and sickness is from vaccines, but we're assuring her that she needs to continue. Oh That's, my how God. That's how they cover their behinds. That's one of the things <laughs> yeah. that gets me upset is the way they dismiss what, yeah. and as a mother, better than they do. They ask the questions because yeah. they have no clue. Exactly. You guys know it's like you, when you watch your perfectly healthy child just like, do a complete 180 and regress. You yeah. know that yeah. some, and it, it didn't happen like overnight. This was over the course of a few months. And then after the, after the four month shot is when it was just, it was too much. It was overload in his system. It was way too much. And so they had started him on trileptal. I think it was the second night he was in there and he, he didn't sleep. You know how it is. When you go to the hospital, you're uncomfortable. They're coming in to check you, yeah. whatever. We didn't think that him not sleeping was a result from the medication. We just thought that he wasn't sleeping because he was hooked up to the, the, the EEGs, the over the continuous EEGs, and he was just uncomfortable. So, but day three, they told us that we had to titrate up. So, you guys know the seizure medication. Yes. You have to go slow to get to the full dose. And then when you come down, you have to go slow because cause it can seizures. cause seizures. Seizure medications can trigger seizures if you dose up or down too, too slow or too fast. We got him home, and I think it was about I don't know, it was several weeks before we got him to the full dose of trilectal. But over the course of those few weeks, like everything got worse. So we didn't notice 
like a bunch of, so he was having seizures that we can visually see, and then he was also having seizures that we could not see that were occurring like in his brain, but we weren't able to see them, but yes. they were picking up on the EEG. The seizures that we were able to see, we like they started to slowly go away, but then we noticed a whole bunch of side effects were coming. Jaden was pretty much rolling over before they put him on the medication. He had stopped rolling. He had stopped sleeping. He pretty much developed severe insomnia with trileptal and a little bit of regression. And we were still going to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and we were trying to get him off of that medication. We wanted, we just wanted to switch medications. We didn't, we, we weren't trying to get him off of the meds because we, we wanted the seizures controlled. And this was really before we, we knew how dangerous these medications were. Yeah. And we... Children's Hospital Philadelphia wouldn't take him off. They wanted to keep increasing. They're like, he's still not at the dose for his weight. We need to keep going up. And I'm like, no, we're not going up. So that's when we had switched to, we had booked an appointment with DuPont Hospital. And we couldn't get in to see them until like June. And in April of 2017, we actually ended up in the emergency room there before our appointment. And because he was having all these blank stare episodes. So sure enough, he was having absent seizures. The trileptal wasn't controlling the seizures. We were just seeing different ones that were coming on. We were in the emergency room. It turns out that the neurologist that was, you know, in the ER that day was the one that we had booked the appointment with. So we were going to see her in June. She agreed that he was having a side effect from the trileptal and that we were going to, she wanted to start him on Tepra. Yeah. <laughs> Tepra rage. Um... She wanted to start him on Kefra, so we had agreed. We just wanted him off the trileptal. She said, we'll start at a low dose of Kefra. Once we get to the full dose of Kefra, then we'll start weaning him from the trileptal. So here goes several more weeks of trying to get to the full dose of a new medication before we could even start weaning him from the trileptal. Yes, a vicious so cycle. So we get him home that Friday night. Um, he wasn't admitted at that day. He was just in and out of the ER. We get home Friday night. He spiked the fever with 105, and then he started having nocturnal seizures. So he started having seizures around the clock in his sleep. And I had no idea what was going on. I thought maybe he was sick. We were in and out of the hospital. I think by Monday. So his fever broke. And then Monday, I think that was the day that we had called 911 twice because the seizures were just uncontrollable back to back. So Tepper caused nocturnal seizures. It caused irritability on top of the side effects from the trilateral, the insomnia and the regression. Oh, he stopped rolling. Poor boy. He started to, yeah, it just, it was like, it, it was just a nightmare that we were starting to lose eye contact with him. And then fast forward a few months, we get off the trileptal, we're at the full dose of Tepra, the seizures are getting worse. Then they're like, let's add Vimpat. We added Vimpat. He was, I don't even think he was on the full dose of Vimpat, and it was causing bradycardia, which is like low heart rate. So his heart rate was like in the 50s. It was very low. It was very low, not normal. She pulled him from that. And then and they started him on Onfi. He was almost 14 months old. So like the seizures were never controlled. We never had control of the seizures. I started learning about the ketogenic diet. I had asked about keto. I had asked about CBD and you know, they kept telling us, oh, no, CBD, you, you can't do CBD. It's not legal. You can't get him that. And, and at the time, since we lived in Pennsylvania, medical marijuana was not legal uh -huh. uh, medicinally. We weren't able to give him that. And we didn't know. We didn't know the laws. We didn't know that we could give him CBD at the time. And so I just started. And then 
with the keto diet, they told us that we would have to be admitted, but in order for us to even try or CBD, his body would have to fail four different medications before we resulted to nutrition or natural stuff. They told us four, four meds his body would have to reject, right? Four. So at that no, point, that's and not true. And, and I'm assuming at max levels, too. Right, like, exactly. No, oh, yeah. oh, I, yeah. I think that was yeah. the... So, Just to interject, we did keto after two, right? After two? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah they told us four. <laughs> it was it was crazy. And at that point, I just started researching, like, just foods that were lower in carbs. Like, I noticed certain things, like bananas were big triggers for him. Mm-hmm. So, like, I started pulling out foods, like fruits and stuff, and, and higher carb vegetables. He's never had anything processed. He's never yeah. had anything with artificial colors or flavors or anything like that. So his nutrition has been amazing. His nutrition has been on point with everything, which has been great because he's pretty easy. So his food, he doesn't, so Jaden, okay, so not to go too far ahead, but with the Onsie, they gave him Onsie. He was about 14 months old, and that's when Onsie was, it basically took over his body. We started seeing hallucinations. We started now. For those that don't know, Onsi is classified as a benzo. So yes. when you think about drugs that associate with that, like it's compared to the heroin epidemic. The benzo epidemic is actually up there with the heroin epidemic. Yeah. Here we are giving our son a controlled substance that we knew nothing about. There was no informed consent or anything like that. They're just like, here, you got to start on this. And we listened. We trusted our doctors that they were looking out for his best interest. They never told us this drug he would become dependent on. They never told us that if we were to take him off of it, that he would go through withdrawal. They never told us any of that. So we had started him on the auntie and... Like I said, we, we saw hallucinations. We saw, he, it was to the point where he couldn't hold his head up. He was having head drops. So we had, and, and they told us, oh, his body needs to get used to it. That was the excuse every time. His body needs to adjust. We need to get to the full dose. So his full dose was two milliliters, and it was liquid. So two milliliters twice a day, which isn't a lot. You think of two milliliters, it's really not a lot. So we got to the full dose. And he just, he kept getting worse. He was declining. One eye would look to the left. The other eye would look down to the right. Drooling. He couldn't hold his head up. He would have, like, rashes on his, like, inflammation on his skin. Clear signs that his body was also not taking to this medication like they wanted it to. So then I called, and they said, go up another half milliliter. What? half a milliliter. And yes. he was 14 months, right? Within 24 hours, he was... The hallucinate, he was seeing things, he was frightened. This is this is a 14-month-old baby, and you're watching them go through these things. And I said to Dave, what, what is going on with his body? And it looks like he's hallucinating. Really? So, what would that I, look I, like physically? Because like, for so like, an audience, try to imagine a 14-month-old hallucinating. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, on his medical records, it says positive for hallucination. So he would basically like try and fall asleep. And then his eyes would close, and his body was really relaxed, and then his eyes would pop open, and then he would start to get frightened, hyperventilate, and, and start to cry. Like, he was Same seeing things. things that weren't, yeah, like, it, it was really bad. It was really bad. I feel for her. So we had taken him, we had rushed him back down to the hospital, and the ER doctor was like, oh, these look like head drop seizures. And I'm like, head drop seizures? Here we go. Now we have another seizure. So they hooked him up to the EEG, 
they were not head drop seizures. They actually checked the drug levels of the auntie, and it turns out, and I don't know exactly the range, but let's just say the normal range was between like three and 800. His was like 3,000. Oh um, my God. Yeah, yeah. So his body- How's that legal? Was not, yeah. And, he, and this is the dose that they're telling us to give him. So, so later that night, they dropped, they dropped his dose down from, because at that point they had told us two and a half milliliters, so they dropped his dose down to one milliliter. And that's a huge jump. That's a huge drop. That's a huge drop. So, of course, it's triggering these seizures, but he was able to hold his head up again. So, that's when they realized it was the medication that was causing his muscle tone to pretty much go away. Yep. They, even in his, those kind of drugs suppress the central nervous system. Same these that. drugs aren't even, they're not even FDA approved for children. Most of them aren't even No, FDA they're not. They're off label. Yes. We actually had. Yes, you're exactly right, because when we went to go get the one prescription filled, the pharmacist told us that the insurance wouldn't cover it because it wasn't FDA approved for people his age. We're, that and that's correct. when we were like, whoa, like we really need to start looking into everything at that point, because we're like, if the pharmacist is telling us that you shouldn't be on it, why are doctors prescribing these drugs that good have question. serious, life-threatening side effects? It is a good question. Yeah, because it's the same thing with Depakote, because Depakote is not recommended for children under 12, but yet right. they're prescribing it. And they were they had our son, the same situation, had him on a adult dose adult. that was like 1,000 milligrams. Yeah. That's like for an adult male. Oh, that was yeah. over 200 pounds. Wow. And he was and two my, years old at the time. He was two years old and about 30 pounds, if that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was it's irate. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Like, they don't tell you. There's, like I said, there's no informed consent. There's no. absolutely, and the same no. thing with the, and, and it goes the same with the, with the vaccines. The pharmaceuticals and the vaccines, there's no informed consent. No. Um, and so they actually, they reduced his ONC down a little bit. And then we had met with his neurologist afterward. And, you know, I said, okay, we went through Trileptal, Keppra, Vimpat, ONC. We went through four medications. I said, I want the keto I want the keto diet. She's like, Well you have to be admitted for that and then it was the runaround. The woman uh. who does that, she's out on maternity leave and then it was like months before we could even get in to get it scheduled. So I started doing low carb with him and we had him seizure free for um, a while and we, we were getting him off the auntie and as we were coming down an auntie and like everything else we had already gotten him off of and auntie was the last medication that we were dosing down. But it took us it took us over 10 months to wean him from just two milliliters of auntie. We actually had to pause in, what was it? The beginning of 2018, we had to pause because, so cannabis was in the process of becoming legal for medical. And so I found a doctor. It was very new in the, in the stages of the legalization and everything like that. And many doctors were not certified at that point. And in Pennsylvania, fortunately, I was very fortunate. So even though his doctors were in Delaware were saying no, I found a doctor in Pennsylvania that was saying, yes, I dare somebody to come at me saying this child does not need this medication. Yeah, all we had to do was take him to a doctor that was certified in the program and take his medical records, and they certified him. And he's been on the program ever since. We actually, the only way we were able to get him off of on fee was 
was medical marijuana. That was the only way we were able to get him off of it. We went through severe withdrawal. It was like he was crawling out of his skin. He couldn't sit still. It was almost like he had the, like, bugs crawling off his skin. He was just jittery. Yes, that heroin withdrawal. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. So we're going to stop this part, part one, and we're going to do part two. So... Uh, everyone tune in for part two we just want to say good night to everyone thank you for tuning in and please tune in for the part two thanks for listening to today's show To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.